Let's do this. We got a big show this time. Not like last time where it meandered all over the place, but it's FYA, fuck your agenda, let's talk. Mikey Beats, we got a guest. Tell me about your guest. Uh, my guest is my brother, my older brother, uh, Brent Beltran, representing Logan Heights, San Diego. What the fuck? We got a guest. We have a guest. Oh, that's exciting. We're so exciting that we're going to put it off for at least 20 minutes and talk about some other stuff just to see if we can't get warmed up or something. Wave a carrot in front of the donkey. <laughs> do you have Netflix? Yeah. Netflix and chill. You have uh, Netflix. Do you, so you, how versed are you with House of Cards? I'm not. Good. That's exactly where I want you to be. I'm going to move so I can see your face. Oh, oh man. He's really got that screen. The screen's just blocking the sun. That's awesome. All right, Fred. Um, if there is a Fred. Um, hey, one of the things that they do a lot in House of Cards is they talk a lot about Russia. And um, uh, they mess everything up, but they have a Putin lookalike in it. And it's just so farcy and so awful. And you can't help but think about, like, these guys are watching us portray them and they're just getting madder. And they're enjoying our election right now, I guarantee it. Well, they're manipulating our election, no doubt about it. That is a fact. Are, are we going to push back? That is a question. Is the Defense Department going to do that massive hack they've been talking about? Can we just, for one second, hope? I mean, I hope for a third and fourth Obama term under whomever wins the election, which probably is only going one way at this point. And all we've ever done is play under an onslaught of... Uh, intimidation tactics from the Russians that they're trying to do everything. They're like, I know we can goad them into something that we can uh, cause more trouble with if we invade Crimea and, and that doesn't work. And then we're going to like start a new civil war in Donetsk and then that doesn't work. And we're going to blow up a plane. It was awful, just awful. And they're still dealing with the repercussions of that. Still trying to say, oh, you know, in typical old Cold War fashion, oh, we had nothing to do with it. And the MH17 investigations have just gone to full tribunal, and they've basically mapped every one of these uh, surface-to-air rockets out, and they've come up with a timeline, and the timeline basically says that it was a complete Russian operation that took down an airliner and just flat-out laid them out, and they're just basically listening to it going, why are we here? Because we don't have to participate in any part of this. Yeah, that plane crashed. We think those guys did it. Hey, look at, look at the time. I got to go. Traffic. But you know what? The the average simple Joe dirt voter is not doesn't is not even aware, doesn't even care about that. All they care about is America and how the big bad ISIS man is gonna come and kill them in their sleep. Uh, yeah, I, I get that. But in a, a lot of ways they're not wrong for not really noticing the Russia thing because Russia has turned into what's an overgrown North Korea. It's a giant gas station with nuclear weapons. I've, I've heard that analogy a hundred times. I'm not inventing it, it, but it's so accurate. They've got almost no real credibility left. They've also almost got no money left. And what we've done, you may think we should like get tanks or get missiles and go beat them up or go find a front on the war. All we've done is what the Americans always do. We've used market manipulation to take the bottom the floor out of the price of gasoline and that's killing them it's just bleeding them they're bleeding out economically 
by the fact that we just have reduced the uh, per barrel price of gas down to around whatever it is now. I think it just hit 50, which is for the first time in over a year it's been at that level. That's like a chokehold in the UFC. Oh, yeah. It was down at 35, 32. And meanwhile, uh, you know, Russia's defense is skyrocketing and the price per barrel is plummeting. They're turning into North Korea. They're a really large version of North Korea. And but this. And that's just how Obama plays it. And they're basically just telling you, guess what? Go ahead. If that's your game, go ahead and do it. We're just going to the way we're going to fight back for Crimea is we're going to take the price of oil per barrel down to about 32 bucks and we're just going to bleed you out. And just to relate a couple things that I mean I pretty much think about every day. Um MH17 and MH370, the two Malaysia airplanes, you know, one of them has to do with the Russians, the other one probably has to do with the Russians. You want to get into deep conspiracy, what's going on with the other one? They never found it. They they blew one up. They were within 6 months of each other. They were both 777s, both Malaysia Air. Um there was for a while on the MH370, uh, the one that took off from Kuala Lumpur on its way to Beijing and suddenly made a left, never to be seen again. There was a guy, Jeff Wise, I'll put a link up. I watch this website all the time. He took what he thought was pictures from a satellite that showed the airplane in a hangar in a southern province of the Russian Federation that it, they basically had taken control of the plane and then it made a right and went up down a radar-proof path between two countries, Pakistan and India, made it all the way into Russia and landed it and they, were just, they just held it. They had something on the plane that they wanted. Wow. I'm, I look forward to looking at that link because I've never heard of that before. Yeah, there, there's a million of these. Uh, there's a whole crew of people in the Maldives that saw an image 370 go across the island at about 5,000 feet, which makes a ton of sense, right at the exact time that it would have mapped out, which, you know, that's probably not a conspiracy. That's probably uh, hypoxia. Uh, a pilot who didn't have enough oxygen lost control of the plane and passed out, and that's what the plane looked like on its last final descent. Oh, I'm getting too mixed up again. But, you know... Somehow or another, the Russians are involved in all this stuff. And that's why my general premise of that's your newest form. We thought we only had one North Korea. Turns out we got two. And there's just another one now, completely out of control. Kim Jong-un and all those guys in Moscow. All the same stuff. Is this the Cold War 2.0 or did the original Cold War never end? It is. It's a... 2.0 2.0 with an asterisk because these guys can be compartmentalized no matter what they say, including their nuclear weapons. And we've proved that with Pakistan. It, their, their nuclear weapons are generally useless unless they sell it to a terrorist and face the same annihilation without any sort of recourse. So without it, I mean, imagine Russia with no money, uh, $32 a barrel gas uh, and uh, nuclear weapons that they can't really use. What's the upside? Um, they could use their other natural resource, which is Russian teen anal porn. I but can't. I'm waiting for that link to be up. Uh, don't worry about it. Uh, <laughs> but uh, the best, the best versions are coming from the Czech Republic, right? They're already getting flanked from their old former Eastern Bloc. Those guys are outporning them. It's all the same. All the same genes. 
Romania, Bulgaria, what are they doing? They're doing porn. What do they not have to do? They don't have to deal with nuclear weapons because they don't got any. True. Yeah. Anyway, I, uh, <laughs> I didn't mean to derail the conversation from war to porn. No, it's all part of it. It's all part of it. Um, I have a theory that um, one of my neighbors is a, an Anastasia wife. Really? Yeah. You know about Anastasia? Uh, it sounds like a Russian uh, mail order bride. Yeah. It's the only one that has a national television ad campaign. Right. So uh, they're, they've got the Finding Anastasia website and it's like every like 80 year old widower's like dream. And I'll she, use, I'll, I'll use she, my inheritance. She looks like Melania Trump, right? <laughs> exactly. Is, was Melania Trump one of those too? Uh, definitely. 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 Um, an ongoing, yeah, Anastasia situation. But, um, yeah, the, all of the Eastern Bloc is full of those things. But we we are kind of sure in our neighborhood that um, our neighbor is one. And uh, it's we're waiting for the seven stages of Anastasia. Oh, I'm so glad to be here. Morphs it somewhere like three levels down the road to, I would like to kill my husband and move on to the riches. Oh, yeah. Does she hang out at Bird Rock Coffee by any chance? Does she <laughs> does she do yoga over there? All those things. No doubt about it. Oh, yeah. Excellent. Well, we, we, we brought this up. Um, I brought it up because, well, I wanted to get political um, on this uh, on this episode of FYA. Um, what I said was, who do you want going up against Russia? Do you want the Clintons again? Or do you want Donald Trump? And you said this isn't even a this is even a question you want to even talk about because there's just one answer, right? And that answer is um, Donald Trump doesn't get anywhere near anything of any substance in this country for any reason. He he, he does stand for a couple of really important things that, and he does a couple of things. He did a couple of things early on in his campaign that I thought were pure genius, but it was short lived. And it's devolved into, you now know he was in a long game that involves the entertainment industry. And this is just going to go into a television show later. But, you know, just like Herman Cain before him, but just on steroids. Right. So he, he did a couple things early on. He didn't need cue cards to do a stump speech early on. He uh, targeted the entrenched interests of Washington and the media early on, which is easy, low-hanging fruit that everybody agrees with. But once we started to need to vet it versus the actual job description of the president, he's pretty much failed every pop quiz possible. And and if you really want to have him or Tom Cruise just flat-out blind guessing when the stakes are as high as what we had described with Russia where we've just described a strategy by which Obama is bleeding out Russia without militarization and using an economic force that Russia can't counter to bleed them out. Um, I'm not so sure that we want to have that same strategy in the hands of somebody who might be tending towards the more reactive options. Right. Absolutely. Now, do you do you give any respect to the Trump campaign and how he's shooken up politics as a whole and the media, the anti-media rhetoric that he spits out? No, I don't. It's just P.T. Barnum stuff. I mean, I guess we could learn something from it, but you basically have to have 
a resume of governance in order to be in the governance game. And if you don't have that, then what you're doing is pretending and you're just pushing buttons and pushing buttons in an entertainment value sense at every turn and hoping that that next pop quiz that's going to you know, expose you as not really ready to govern doesn't show up. So the Republican Party has hit rock bottom here. Where do they go from here? Um, hopefully away. <laughs> we'll, we'll leave it at that. No, I, I mean, hey, look, I'm not a Democrat. Uh, I'm a, definitely I'm a hybrid. And I take economics from a lot of conservative uh, inputs. And I take social issues from a lot of progressive inputs. And I try to combine them. And I also don't have a big tolerance for uh, divisive politics, politics that try to segment the population in order to gain from it. Um, and, you know, there's a lot in the Republican Party that they just couldn't get out of their own way. They can't be inclusive. They can't um, get the entire country into the governance ideas that they have that might have some merit to them. They, they'll influence the government in a decent way in terms of shrinking the uh, tax burden on businesses here and there. And, but then they'll, they'll just throw it all into the ocean the second some hot-button issue comes up that they should have grown out of in about 1958. Right, right. Now, I, I've heard of that a lot, and I, I, I kind of have repeated it in myself, that you know, I'm physically a Republican, but socially Democrat. Where is that third party? That's not the Libertarians. That's not the Green Party. Where is that third party at? We don't have a, um, a, a true petri dish of parties forming based on real, uh, real people's acknowledgement of what they need to get forward in their lives. We don't have that. We have a, a weirder set of where, what kind of cracks can we sneak in because the top two parties are so dominant that they'll just exclude uh Anything that might threaten them for any reason. Right, right. I'm a. There's, so you, you, I'm sorry, go ahead. No, no, I, there's a countermeasure to what I'm saying. Like in the United States, you can tell it's distorted and they, they're putting everyone else at, to bay just by looking at how Israel or Germany forms their governments. If you look at Israel and you look at Germany, they have to form coalition governments. So none of them has 50% of the vote. In fact, none of them has 30% of the vote. So what they'll have to do is they'll have to work with one another and adopt each person's ideals in order to form a coalition to move things through. Right. Interesting. Now, I don't know how to come back from that because that, that sounds like the perfect scenario. I don't know if it's the perfect scenario. I think we're still, we're still in a pretty good spot. I, I don't want to... Uh, there's a lot of problems. We we have to do a lot of things in order to, for instance, uh, shore up the uh, Constitution to keep a really bad situation like a Donald Trump election feeding into executive powers and feeding into him not needing to get a declaration of war from Congress. Those, those kinds of things. They're, they're, there's real big things we need to shore up. But for the time being, we're sort of outclassing most of the rest of the world despite our maladies. I, I agree with a lot of the points you just made, but I don't agree that we're in a good uh, position politically as far as having the two political system and the Democrats getting, you know, back. It looks like they're going to get back to back presidencies. Well, again, I mean, Obama did two terms. Hillary's going to come in. And I just feel like it's, it's heavily weighted with the presidency on the Democratic side. They're the only people governing. 
And uh, the, the Republicans have decided not to govern. Then they, there's no, there's no challenge. It, it seems like, you know, they come up with Trump. They had that Mormon before. What's that guy's name? Mitt Romney. I don't feel like there's a challenge there, and I don't feel like there's an option. And, you know, I'm trolling Facebook all day, every day, and people are like, we need a third-party option. You know, let's get this libertarian guy in here, you know. Um, Gary Johnson, who didn't know what Aleppo was? <sighs> it's, it's just so disappointing. Where is, or where are the other Where are the other parties, and, and why aren't they working their way up the political system? I'll give you this. Bernie Sanders was our third-party candidate for this year. He was. And he found the right mechanism for getting his voice across. He found the widest breadth of his argument by getting into the Democratic Party primary process, a, a, a party who is going to win, right? Right. And challenging Hillary, who's a horrible candidate, but that doesn't mean she's going to be a horrible governor. Candidacy and governance are two different things. So he challenged her at her weak spot and found a very, very wide audience and moved her to the left in a way that's really going to help progressives for a long time. That was your third party candidate for this year. And actually, we should feel somehow blessed by the fact that that part happened. Right. I agree. Do you think uh, he got robbed of the, uh, the nomination? No, he's not electable. How he, so? He's essentially a vehicle for ideas that needed to come to the pass, but he's definitely not electable as a president. Right. He definitely is not, going back to your Russia doctrine, he was not going to be capable of managing a situation like that, whereas Hillary definitely was. She was former Secretary of State. Uh, she's gone through all these things, trials, tribulations. You, It's like anything. You know, you have successes and failures in those roles. But she's done it. It's not going to be new to her. It's going to be new to Bernie. It's going to be new to Donald. It's going to be new to, obviously, Gary Johnson, right? So we got one who's going to work. And I'll add something to the other part of this. It's all going somewhere. You get two terms of an Obama presidency, then you add uh, Clinton presidency, you've won two major battles that are irrevocably going to force governance despite which party gets elected going forward. Okay? Battle number one is the Supreme Court. Battle number two is you are the president of record going into the 2020 census, meaning that you will be the vehicle to reverse all of the gerrymandering that occurred in the 2010 census when we lost all those midterm elections versus Obama. When that happens, one vote, one voice becomes more of a reality versus all these places in Florida and Ohio where the districts essentially are so gerrymandered that some people have maybe a third the political voice of others just based on voting capacity. Now, do you think it's going to be a little too far leaning to the left here? I definitely don't because the they've done not role reversal but role replacement. The um, the Republicans have become the super far right xenophobes, and the Democrats have become the party of General Eisenhower for the most part. They're kind of encamped in what used to be the old. Uh, Eisenhower centrist right party. That's that's where the Democrats are now. Interesting. All right. I like where your head's at. I don't know if that's my head. <laughs> so anyway, the Russians are um, doing a bunch of crazy stuff that we are actually having trouble with, but we actually should keep the inventory complete. They're doing horrible stuff in Syria. They're perpetuating a war that's killing a bunch of people. They're on the side of the Assad regime. 
They're bombing people in the interest of quote-unquote terrorism using our own mantra against us. And they're killing civilians in a city called Aleppo, a city that Gary Johnson couldn't name. Um, right around the same time, our close friends, the Saudi Arabians, are bombing Yemen in a similarly uh, merciless fashion with, a, again, a coalition that involves a bunch of puppets along the, the lines of the Bahrainians and UAE and all these different guys. And we're lending support to those guys, and they're doing the same thing. Um, we need to blow the whistle on recess in the Middle East and get all these different parties to stop because we can't complain about the Russians until we get control of the Yemeni. That is true. Uh, do you think no-fly zone in Syria equals World War III? Definitely not. There is no World War III. Um, I don't think that that's Obama's game. Obama's going to continue with the strategy that we did had talked about earlier but hillary did say that she would enforce a no-fly zone is that just campaign rhetoric well what's the situation going to look like in february of next year uh, i don't think there's gonna be any aleppo left right by then it'll sort of sort itself out at some level we were saying that a couple of years ago though too no that's a really good point with, it, with know, barrel it, bombs and sarin right and, and a red line right well and the red line w was an optical failure, and he's never really gotten past that part of it. But the overall strategy of, like, let's not put soldiers in this mess. This mess isn't going to go anywhere, and it could lead to a whole bunch of nonsense. What he's not doing is giving the Russians ammo to do something that would be, at a human level, even more regrettable. Right. Well said. Well said. Yeah, who knows? Who knows? I... I actually, I'm thinking about it, and I'm sort of changing my mind a little bit, that if, if she does get in, and her first initiative is, hey, I'm done with dealing with Syria, Russia, go back to Russia, or we got a problem, um, you know, I think that might sort of help finally solve the Syrian thing, because they're certainly perpetuating it. Would Russia back down? I don't think they really got a choice. I think that we're giving them a lot of leeway because we're having so much success bleeding them out. They're pretending, this is what North Korea does. They're pretending like they've got the greatest military in the world and they've got a big presence in Syria and they're doing all this stuff in the, um, in the former Ukraine, Eastern province that they'd like to keep. They're doing all this stuff, but inside they're dying. Right, just like the Iron Curtain. Once right. That, once that thing came down, we realized that everybody was rotten and, and just broke. Right. And miserable. Right. And, you know, all of the richer uh, Russians moved to France a long time ago and Spain a long time ago. And if you go to Nice, France, uh, the real estate signs, a lot of the real estate signs are in Russian. Oh, wow. So all the money moved out of the country and you know, what's left is a, a little dark. And... Uh, that's with the borders open. What would it look like with the borders closed? Right. Wow, this is making me really thirsty for some vodka right now, some Tito's. Tito's is from Austin. America. Well said. Do you see what I did right there? You see that? <laughs> well thought of. Brent, welcome aboard. Thank you. Glad to be here. Hey. Tell us a little bit about yourself. A little bit about myself. Well, I uh, occasionally write for the San Diego Free Press. I have a, a somewhat irregular column called Desde la Logan. I'm also on the editorial board of the San Diego Free Press. 
Um, I'm on the uh, board of the Environmental Health, Health Coalition, as well as the vice chair of the planning group in Barrio Logan. And my brother is on the planning group here in Pacific Beach. So it's kind of cool that we have uh, two civic-minded siblings here sharing the microphones. We came from the same nutsack. Nice. Yes, and, and my mom keeps shaking her head every time he says that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I met your dad. He's you're, Mexican. Yeah, your your dad says, you know, that's the mistake, and all of you are the gifts. Yes, I was definitely a gift. Michael, yes. <laughs> this is kind of crude, but Michael, he always says about Michael, and Mikey Beats here, that the best part of him ran out his leg. Yep, that's exactly what he said just on two podcasts back for subscribers. The two subscribers. He's consistent. He is very consistent. And he'll tell that to anybody. Anybody. Even somebody just met. That's my dad. Especially. So did the San Diego Free Press put out a voter guide? Yes, we did. Uh, came out on Friday. Uh, those The editorial board sat down on the prior Tuesday in our hidden bunker in City Heights. And uh, we scratched and clawed and argued and fought with each other over every single thing that we could on the ballot. And uh, it's there. So there's a progressive voter guide located at sandiofreepress.org. Go check it out if you're progressive minded. Um, if you're not, you know, check it out anyway. So how competitive are you with the Voice of San Diego? Uh, we're two different entities. Um, we are Both a liberal. Uh, somewhat liberal, yes, um, but we're a little more on the the activist progressive end. We and then take you add in like is City Beat liberal? I would think so. Their editorial uh, and is the reader is liberal uh, to a point because the owner of the reader reader is uh, very anti-abortion and anti-women due to his so religious affiliation. Four different entities in the city of San Diego, and they all put out voter guides. How do you differentiate yourself from those other three voter guides that get out there? We just put it out there. Um, for us, it's uh, we reach out to the activist community. We reach out to community organizers, community organizations. And so the people that are doing the activist work on the ground, those are the people that really seek out our type of voter guide. That is a really interesting point, and I'm glad that you made it, because we just endured probably the nearest we're going to get to some upheaval in San Diego County with the El Cajon shooting. And that's supposed to awaken the activist community. And we found out that the activist community has about the same attendance problem that the Padres have. <laughs> yes, it's difficult. I mean, it, everybody has a job. Everybody has something going on in their lives. And it's hard, even for activists, it's sometimes hard to take time out from you whatever you got going see, on. You can just see like suntanned policemen checking their watch saying, these guys are going to just time themselves out. Just give them a second. <laughs> I mean, I don't mean to snicker. People died, and we, you know, have been watching different levels, different levels of veracity in the North Carolina protest and Ferguson and all these different places. And it comes to us, and it was the same thing during 2008 with the Occupy stuff. You know, you try to get into the Occupy stuff, and San Diego tried to have an Occupy, an activist presence, and same thing. Just it just bled out. We, we, we couldn't get anywhere with it. We couldn't find our own um, voice. We couldn't be leading the charge in any way, shape, or form. And it's not that there's not a lot of smart people, people that have strong convictions here. It's just, it's the same thing as the Padres. The weather's too nice. Things are too good. <laughs> and it's hard to maintain a movement. It is very difficult to maintain a movement, especially a protracted struggle like something like Occupy would be. So I think it's when you have 
police pushing you out and harassing you continuously, it, it wears on you. And I think that's a lot of the Occupy people were under a lot of pressure, and especially when they were camped out downtown and they basically got pushed out. Yeah, well, I mean, I was running 4th and B at the time, so I was watching them every day. And I actually went downtown and participated in the Occupy initial protest. I walked the streets, yeah, did the entire thing. I hugged my kids on the way out, hoping like I wasn't going to get tear gassed or whatever. And the police had a very, very concise strategy. And their strategy was, hey, on the outset, let them go. On the outset, let them go. And um, they'll just tire themselves out. And then we'll start our Dirty Tricks campaign about day 14. And we'll just weed them out. Yeah. Yeah, that's what happened. And that first protest was beautiful. That march, so many people came out for that. But then after that march, only the real diehards kind of stuck around. So let me tell you why, where I'm going with this. This, is, this could be the most depressing conversation we ever had, because there, there's your doctrine. Let's awaken activism in the city of San Diego. But we realize that there's a bit of a glass ceiling in San Diego. We should just acknowledge it. That makes what you do, what your publication does so much more important. You actually have to be the proxy warrior for activism in your community. Yeah, that's a heavy weight. In other cities, it's going to be so much more pronounced. You can awaken them and they're going to go. Here, you're going to have to carry them for some bit of time. And that's kind of a role as an alternative media because most journalism, they kind of stay on the fence. They don't want to take a side. Well, we are very upfront about the sides that we take. We're not afraid to, to take a stand and take a side because we're all community journalists. Very few of us have actual journalism backgrounds, but we love our community so much that we're committing time to uh, talk or to write about the issues that take place in our communities. And so I think what we're doing is very important because there's none of the other news media out there is taking the stands that we're taking. And so I think when it comes time for election, season and our voter guide that we we're just talking about is people appreciate and recognize it. We're all volunteers. None of us get paid. None of the editors get paid. No money comes in. There's no advertising for our website. So it's truly a grassroots community effort that we're, that we're doing here. And I think people recognize that and can appreciate that. That's uh, a good sort of segue into what we're going to do next. What we're going to do next is we're going to go down the county referendums and uh, we're going to talk about them and you're going to bring them up, and I'm probably going to heckle them for the most part. <laughs> That's uh, quite all right. I, I, I'm going to start from a basis point, and I, I, I think this is kind of an idiotic basis point, and I, I want to be self-correcting as I'm doing it, but for the most part, every single person who puts a proposition, who puts a referendum on the ballot is up to something. And so I start at no on every single one of them. And I have to get talked out of no. I have to know where the money's coming from. I have to understand that part of it. And if I don't see it, it's an almost automatic no, and it's never going to change. Is that a... Am I being Pollyannish by thinking that way? No, I think we should be pessimistic because now it is so easy for rich people, corporations, to put something on the ballot. And so usually when they put stuff on the ballot, they, they use language and twist language to make you vote for something that's against your own interests. And so I, I have terrible issues with rich people being able to, to buy their way at the ballot box. So the, there's rich corporations, but then there's also the every once in a while we'll come across a super citizen. Um, Let's call Elizabeth Warren an example of a super citizen who was a professor at 
Harvard and through super citizenry and punditry wound up becoming a senator, but for all the right reasons, if those are the convictions that you have, right? Um, and did those people ever put propositions and referendums out? Um, like great, wonderful people put referendums out? I don't know. Very Because why would they? I can yeah. think of two this season why they might. And one of them we're going to disagree on, and one of them I don't know if we're going to agree on. I, I obviously think there's a huge referendum coming on marijuana, and it's an anti-corporate referendum. It's clearly an anti-corporate referendum. It takes a lot of super citizens to put it in place. It's gone um, years and years and years and failures and failures and failures through the... And I think we're finally going to get to it, but it's from an, a, a combination, if you will, of... Um, a bunch of interest. We're tired of putting people in jail and paying for jail for all of this stuff. We're tired of um, not being able to fight heroin addiction because we're spending so much time calling uh, marijuana class one narcotic. Uh, we're having all these other problems that so we're trying to be pragmatic and listening to all these um these police chiefs and other countries and saying, maybe it's time we should, we look at it differently. But the thing is prop 64, the adult use of uh, marijuana act does not completely decriminalize cannabis. If you get caught with more than an ounce, you could still go to jail. If you get caught with more than six plants growing in your home, you could still go to jail. It sort of moves it into the whole frame of if you get caught uh, with a, 18 wheeler full of uh, cigarettes without a tax stamp you should probably go to jail too that's not because they want to send people with more than an ounce to jail because they're drug dealers they want to affect enforcement for taxation yeah but an ounce of weed come on people go through that cancer patients go through more than an ounce of weed in a week so i think but it does decriminalize it for a lot of people, and a lot of people that are currently in jail right now will be able to get out of jail once it passes and they uh, go through the process. So overall, I think Prop 64 is a good thing, definitely a good thing. But there are still issues with it, and hopefully those issues can be worked out in the legislature once it's implemented, and then we find out what the flaws are and make it better. And I just want to be sure that the whole world knows, don't make the mistake that thinking that if Prop 64 goes through that you should smoke a joint in your car in, yeah. in full view of the CHP ever. Because they're waiting for you to test that because they really are not pro-citizen in that regard. Correct, yeah. And the government's going to lose money. The CHP, law enforcement's going to lose money because the seizures that they have and whatnot, they're no longer going to be able to get that cash from it's it. It's a net loss for them um if you are a taxpayer you want them to lose the short money because the long money's more they lose money in the long term term because i hey that 550 million dollar courthouse in downtown san diego is going to be delayed and they're not going to be able to use marijuana funds to amortize the cost of that courthouse after the this november if we do this right so let's start with A. All right. So here's what I'm going to do. Since you guys are talking my ear off, I'm going to read the measure as the, the people, the listeners are going to see it on the ballot. So I'm going to read it through and then we're all going to talk about it. I'll heckle. He'll be the voice of reason. And there's a whole bunch. So let's read through this quickly. <clears throat> yes. <clears throat> For school. Measure A, San Diego County Road Repair Transit Traffic Relief Safety and Water Quality Measure. Shall an ordinance be adopted? Repair roads, deteriorating bridges, relief... That's enough. 
What does this thing do? <laughs> it taxes, adds a sales tax to put roads and shit in. That's basically what it does. A half cent local tax. A half cent local tax. But this thing was written prior to the climate action plan being created. And so the climate action plan is not even taken into consideration within uh, this as it's written. This proves I have a conservative tendency in my voting pattern. This is a bullshit no. You should use the money you have to pay for shit, and you should not go out and ask for new money to pay for shit. Fiscally a Republican, he says. I'm, right. I'm not always anti-tax, but in this instance, I think it's a bad tax. What's B say? B says, ordinance amending the county general plan, county zoning map, and county code, and adopting the Lilac Hills wrench. I've heard enough. Specific. This is a fucking bullshit thing, isn't totally it? Totally agree. Totally agree. These guys are trying to like make some rules out in the hills near 4S Ranch. Yeah, no, this is way out in Valley Center. This oh is way out in Valley Center, and basically it's a, a developer wants, a developer paid for this initiative to allow them to sidestep the zoning of that particular area to build a bunch of McMansions how, out in the middle of nowhere. How much regret do every single San Diego citizen have about how much of this bullshit got through in the 70s, 80s, and 90s? They used to basically, hey, water, what's that? You know, hey, uh, tax base, what's that? Let's make a million of these things and for that we have del cerro forest ranch all that nonsense all that, all that. Bing Crosby. what on earth happened out there i mean that's the whole place if you are a guest at any one of those subdivisions and they ask you to go and get the little caesar's pizza don't do it <laughs> there's a there, get trapped. we were talking about russia there's a friggin roadblock with stan- with stanchions and security guards and everywhere, like about every quarter mile. And if you go into the wrong one or out the wrong gate, those pizzas aren't getting to those kids. Don't tase me, bro. <laughs> I, I want to touch on something uh, that uh, that I read on Facebook um, about this. Uh, Marianne Smith, uh, who's a close to your friend of mine, uh, her family owns Soul Grind's uh, Skate Shop. She also uh, has her seed planting company, which I absolutely love. Um, she wrote um, through her friend, uh, I live on a 10-acre avocado farm with my three children and husband. We are being threatened by developer who has taken his de- development to the ballot with just, uh, deception prop B all of San Diego will be allowed to vote on it. Even though it's just in our little community, blah, 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 blah. She was tugging on heartstrings and I don't think they necessarily need to tug on heartstrings because the big bad corporations coming in and, and just trying to trying to take advantage of the system. I don't need to, my, they're just, they're I live in Barrio Logan. That's my community. Why should residents like myself and Barrio Logan have the right to vote on something that takes place almost 100 miles away in Valley Center? Just like why did the all of San Diego get to vote on Barrio Logan's community plan, BNC, a couple years back? It should be up to those particular communities to decide what they want in those communities. The planning group up in because that area... It basically turns it into a giant marketing campaign. You take a giant voter base and you start throwing ads at it and see whether doing. or not you can change the law in your favor, which is why you start with a litmus of no. Right. Yep. So I just want to... No one be. I just want to finish um, with that by saying um, I, don't, I don't need my heartstrings tugged on. Uh, no on B all the way. Screw this developer. We're going to skip C and we're going to do D. What do you got for D? Uh, 
Let's see here. Uh, facilities and tourism tra- tax initiative. Should the measure be adopted to, among other provisions, increase San Diego's hotel occupancy tax, a.k.a. TOT? This sounds like a sound alike. Five percent. This is uh, similar to the Chargers plan. This was actually, this is Corey Briggs. I don't know if you're familiar with Corey Briggs. Oh, He's Corey a local Briggs. land local attorney here in San Diego who's fought City Hall numerous times and been on the right side of things. But in this instance, I believe he's on the wrong side. What's happening here is they want to develop the current Qualcomm site if the Chargers leave and turn that over or sell it to either San Diego State or UCSD to develop an education complex there. Another part of this initiative is it allows for no contiguous expansion of the convention center. And so that area just south of the convention center, that grassy area. Enough. Well, that's the whole, a, that is a load of bullshit. A, yes, it is a load of bullshit. And the last thing on there, the last thing is <laughs> it opens up the possibility. It opens a pathway for a Charger Stadium in the East Village. And it creates an entire entertainment district around that. And it gets rid of CEQA, the, the Environmental uh, Review Act. Well, I wouldn't mind a Charger Stadium in East Village. But you know what? If you want a thing, you should vote for a thing. It shouldn't be this giant abomination of a whole bunch it's of stuff. All, yes. You you absolutely have to like keep it so it's a decision you can understand. Well, this is this is there because in case C fails. Actually, no. This was this the he uh, Corey Briggs started this before the Chargers started theirs. Oh, and the Chargers saw what Corey Briggs was doing. He said, all right, we want to do that, but we want to do it our way. But now the difference, and we'll get back to C, we, we can't go too far into the weeds here, but the difference is that on measure C, they, they need, what, 66%? Both of them need 66%. Both of them do? Yes, both oh. them, because it's raising a tax. I didn't realize that. Yeah, we got to keep weeding this stuff out. So, yeah, D's out. What do you got? D-E. E, charter amendment regarding qualifications, vacancy, and removal for mayor, city attorney, and council. Okay, basically what this is, if you get a new city attorney coming in, um, they're not allowed to just fire everybody and bring in their own people. It gives job security to the people that were already there. What so do you do, think? Do workers, should workers have some kind of job security? I think they should. Now, can it, people, I mean, again, uh, my conservative side says I got to be able to fire people in order to make things my own. Uh, I think it's been taken too far. I've seen a lot of cases where they basically have clean house. However, you know, we get into the whole semantic you can't fire teachers for anything, for any reason, even if they're bad at it. Is that a case of this? Uh, well, historically, what's happened is a new city attorney would come in, completely clean house, get rid of the people that were there for the previous four years, and they're no Not longer city cleansing. workers. Yeah, basically, basically. But I think what the issue is, since they're public workers, city workers, they should have some kind of job security. I think that's the people. You have a tack on this. this? Um, I'm kind of pro worker, and I think they should have some job security. Now, if they're shitty ass workers, if they're not doing their job, get rid of them. I don't know that we can define uh, whether or not they put thresholds in place, protection in place, I, and there needs to be a bit of a free market set into the government. I'm still on the no side. Well, let's let's do this. I don't want to put more protection in unless it's it really, really been defined and categorized. We are we are we, we are don't divided. have to agree on everything. That's we are okay. divided here. A measure E, as far as ST Free Press goes, says that the de- Democrats and Republicans both agree. Yes on E. All right, moving on to measure F. I don't need. Oh no, more. I'm sorry. Actually, I was talking about F. F is the one city attorney. E is if the mayor is an asshole like Bob Filner, the city council can remove him. 
That's what E is. F is the one about the city attorneys. So oh. E is the, because there was no mechanism in place to get rid of Filner when Filner did his little touchy grabby bullshit. And so this would allow the city council by a super majority of seven votes to nine to remove that, the mayor. Oh, wow. Okay. Um, okay. So I, I can easily pivot on this thing. Uh, I'm still super no on F, but going back to E, because it's a super majority, seven to nine, I would think that that would be a rational change. It's Yes, it's very hard to get seven votes on the council to go against. Man, it's going to be a big part of what we talked about with C. So we go all the way to G. I think we figured it out. Got it. Oh, wow. Hey, I got to turn the page here. We are jamming. Hope you all are taking notes. Charter amendments, measure G, charter amendments regarding the Citizens Review Board on Police Practices. Basically, what this does is change the charter, change the name of the Citizens Review Board in the charter, and it allows uh, all. Does it deaths. mean they got to turn their video cameras on? It says nothing about that. It's it's actually very bland, minor change to this review board. Then fuck them. Put is, something substantial in there, or just say no. Is it progressive? It, it, I mean, we're voting yes because it, it it forces them to review all shootings. Because they don't have to review them now, but that's the only real addition. Can I to change this. my mind? <laughs> yeah, of course, I, I, they got to review all shootings. That, that's yeah. silly. You you inked um, no. <laughs> Uh, you, can you do that thing on the ballot where you ink the wrong one, then you circle you, the right one? Or you initial it, like on a check? <laughs> <laughs> Moving on. Measure H, charter amendments regarding purchasing and contracting processes for the city of San Diego. Basically what it does, it just updates wording. That's all it does in the charter. Uh, what do we it do? It just updates wording. So I just said yes. Tell me how to vote. It updates city stuff. All right, my, brother, my brother's tell me how to vote. I've done it my whole life, so th- thank you. So it's one of those things like when uh, when the... I'm going to San Diego change. Yeah, some people just don't vote at all on certain things like this. But when San Diego went from a, a, a city attorney form of government to a, not city attorney, a city manager form of government to a strong mayor form of government, the stuff inside the charter, a lot of the wording hasn't changed. And so now so they're updating. Here's what I think about contract language in, in city contracts. I think that the guys who mow the lawn at the school under a contract with the San Diego Unified School District generally are getting paid three times as much as the teachers, and the teachers are still getting laid off. I'm always super suspicious of those contracts. So any move to sort of rein those things in, I'd have to generally be a proponent of. Touching up the contracts. I like it. Where are we? We're on Measure I. Measure I. Charter Amendment regarding Balboa Park in San Diego High School. All right. Back in the 70s, there was a deal with the city of San Diego and the school district to uh, put a sunset clause on San Diego High. And they would have to, the unified school district would have to locate San Diego High somewhere else because that is... Balboa Park property, and for some reason, in state law, you can't have city entities doing stuff on parkland. I don't know, something like that. And so what this does, this allows San Diego High to stay there through so many years, but but eventually it'll still have to go. So San Diego High will eventually have to be built somewhere else, but this gives them a little extra time to find that location. San Diego High should never have to leave. I agree. That's the first high school in San Diego. It's one of the most important high schools it's in actually, San Diego. I mean, it should be basically given historic designation. Uh, I agree with that. I agree. Uh, I agree. Yeah. And yeah, yeah, so basically, if the, if the measure gives us time to build a precipice around it so that it, we prevent them from being able to leave, buys us time so that the, uh, a measure later on comes around that, that makes a permanent change to it, that, that's where I would be leaning. 
Yes, I agree I. with that. And with I, it's the, those that are against I are affluent Balboa Park supporters that are basically trying to pull out this high school that is predominantly occupied by barrio kids. And so it's this real kind of weird disparity between here's What are they going to put in its place? Exactly. What are they going to put in the place? Plus, there's hundreds of millions of YMCA? dollars in, in backlog maintenance for Balboa Park. They can't even handle Balboa Park as it is, yet they want to occupy this 14 acres of San Diego High. Yeah, they're going to kick the school out. And it's going to sit there vacant for freaking 50 years. Yes. Yeah. So, yes on I. I agree. Measure J, Charter Amendment, regarding use of lease revenue from Mission Bay Park. This one stinks. This reeks. Yes, if you live in the beach area, Bay mm-hmm. Park, Balboa, I mean, Bay Park, Pacific Beach, Mission Beach, and you touch or have anything to do with Mission Bay, that area, this is going to affect you because it's going it's to take money out of the lease agreements of those that occupy Mission Bay, and it's going to funnel some of that money into other parks, like Balboa Park and other regional parks, but let which me, other let parks me try need to, stuff. Let me try to understand what I'm hearing right now. Yeah, right. All right. This is, Kevin Faulkner is a proponent of this thing. Yes, and it, when he was a councilman, he wasn't. Right. Uh, well, of course he wasn't. Yes. What's District 2? The fucking beach. Yep. And the, the fucking beach. So now he's mayor, and he's abandoning his former constituency, yes. Mission fucking Bay, and he's giving money away? Yep. Yep. Is that, does it say Mission fucking Bay it's in a, your voter guide? Right it, there. It, it doesn't say fucking. It says lease revenue from Mission Bay Park. Oh my goodness! So money that SeaWorld pulls oh, in, Kevin, money from the Brutus. hotels there, TOTs. that money, that money, in some of that will stay in Mission Bay Park for other amenities and whatnot. But some of that's going to go to other things. Now let's be clear on this: Faulkner had a measure that kept those that money in Mission Bay when before it was leaving Mission Bay. Correct. Now he's the mayor, and now he's taking that money out of Mission Bay. Yes. So it, is he also going to move the Cross Festival to Balboa Park? No comment on that. Then he could move a hotel? Because, I mean, he was super no. anti the, the Cross people, the LED people, when they were at Wave House. Right. So now he's going to be for it, but he's going to move it to, to Balboa Park. Am I starting rumors right now? I'm just wondering out loud. Well, I start rumors all the time, and I've done this before. If you're going to just particular. change your positions to suit whatever you're doing this week. Right. Um, I'm going to call him a hypocrite because I interviewed uh, Faulkner and Alvarez right uh, during their mayoral race. And they said never, ever. And he said, I'm a champion for small business, and I'm all about the beaches, I'm all about the bays. And here he is fucking Two us in our ass. Two weeks later with Deco Bike and this. Yeah, thanks, dick. All, all right, right, next. Next. Measure L. To me, this is one of the most important ones on the ballot. Where the hell is L? Oh, there it is. We forgot one, didn't we? We did K. JK. Did we do K? We didn't do K. We didn't do K? All right. Measure K. Measure K, Charter Amendment Requiring Runoff Election for the Offices of Mayor, City Attorney, and Council Member. Yes. What this does, the top two vote-getters in June, at the June primary, no matter what their percentages are, they move on to the November ballot. Mm. So if somebody has 51% and the other guy has 25% or the woman has 25%, both of them will move on if they're the top vote-getters. And this benefits- in, the past, in the past, it would be the one, if you get 50 plus 1%, you automatically uh, win the seat in June. And so what this does, it gives the Democrats a chance now. And why? Because more Democrats vote in November. And I'm being honest. I'm not a Democrat. I'm not a registered Democrat. If I vote, sometimes I side with the Democrats. But in this case, I'm going to recognize that this is basically a power play by uh, Democrats and labor in San Diego to win races in November. Mayor Faulkner has never gone to a November election. 
he's either won outright in June or outright in special elections. So it kind of shows where it's at. B, props B and C a couple years ago for Barrio Logan. If that went to the November ballot, we probably would have had a better chance of getting our community plan. Right. So, I mean, look, just in general, uh, we're going to talk about uh, Measure C in a bit, and we're going to talk about the 67% threshold. And um, thresholds in general suck. If you're truly conservative, meaning you want the economics to rule, you want the actual voter base to rule, then you don't want these kinds of things. You don't want bylaws. You want net results from elections to prevail. And I might be saying it semantically wrong. It, it, what I say, when I say it, you don't want these things, then you actually want to vote yes, because what they're trying to rule out is bylaws in special elections that prevent the ultimate election in November, which is the real election, yes. from having a true litmus test to having a true barometer of what the community feels. Right. Yes. I think that there's too many elections. Special elections are bullshit. Primaries at some level are bullshit. Yes. You want to make your decisions regarding your community in the, the first Tuesday after the first Monday in November every four years or two years or however it works. But all the other elections turn out to be a special interest fair. Totally. Yes, and less people vote in there in those elections. The special elections in the primary elections, less people vote. This November is going to have a huge turnout this November. I think it's going to be one of the biggest uh, election numbers-wise in a long time. Bravo. A lot of people are going to get out there. So for the record, Measure K, Democrats vote yes, Republicans vote no. That's that's pretty much how it's broken down. The three of us vote yes on Measure K. Moving on to Measure L. Measure L? Let me just break down. Measure L is like Measure K. I got to do my part. You got to do your part. You got to read all that? Measure L, read all that? Charter Amendment Requiring Citizens Initiative and Referendum refer, referendum Measures to be placed on November general election ballots unless the council decides to su- submit them to voters earlier. You fucked me up. Go ahead. So th- this does the same thing with, with individuals running for office. It does for propositions. So propositions will, instead of a June vote, it'll, they'll all go to November. I'm going to go yes. Same thing. Same theory. I'm more, go people, yes. more people vote in November. Uh, De- Democrats, yes. Republicans, no. Us three say. And there are exceptions. Like at the bottom, there are exceptions. If there's some something special happens, the city council can put it on the ballot in, in a primary election. Ah, so we're voting, we're voting yes on, on Measure L. Voting yes on L. All right. Measure M. Affordable housing increasing the limit of number of units the city and certain public agencies are allowed to help develop. This basically raises the cap on affordable housing developments. It doesn't mean they're going to build that many because there's no money right now to build more affordable housing, but it just allows them to build more if the need arises and if there's funding for it. Why would there be a cap? I don't know. I don't know. I don't know why they put an actual cap on on how many they can build. What a catacomb of bullshit. Why on earth would there be caps on stuff like that? Yeah, when more affordable housing is needed, you know what why, cap why limit is? it? Cap is redlining. We don't want to have enough affordable housing in this neighborhood because it'll blight it. Yes. Right. Yeah. You know, right. if you raise the cap, just go ahead and say yes. Let's just get rid of the cap in general. Right. Um, so we are voting uh, yes on Measure M. Yes. And the, the second to last one. Non-medical cannabis business tax. All right. This is bullshit, in my opinion, right here. And let me tell you why. When Prop 64 passes in November, Prop 64 puts a 15% tax at, at the, the resale level, statewide resale level tax, plus your local sales tax, 
plus there's an excise tax at the wholesale level. And so they have all these taxes already, and now the city of San Diego wants to put a 5% tax that'll go up to 8% tax within a couple years, and up to possibly 15% tax on top of already the taxes that are on campus. Now, is this when you buy a joint, or is it when your buyer buys a brick? It's... When your buyer buys a brick, there's an excise tax on the wholesale. Right. So there is a tax at the wholesale level and at the growing level. Right. But we're talking resale tax. So all these taxes that I just mentioned, other than the excise tax, are at the retail level. So when I open up my my weed shop on Garnett Avenue in Pacific Beach. Mikey's Marijuana Shop. I like the sound of that. I'm going to have to pay the tax? You as the, the business owner, no, you're going to be charging that tax to your customers. I don't want to do that to my customers. And so there's going to be 15% tax statewide, plus local at 8, so that's 23 there, plus 5% now. So you're talking 28% once medical, once uh, recreational cannabis becomes legal. You brought up Mitt Romney earlier, right? Yes, sir. You know, and he was super famous, oh, I want to be small government, but then when he was the governor of Massachusetts, he was the king of fees. Right. You take a, uh, a parsing of all of these different taxes that was that Brent had just described. You're going to find a Republican behind every yes. one of them, and completely hypocritic move by a supposedly, supposedly small tax uh, entity, and the, you kill all of them, kill every one of them, start now, and then also have a lot of faith that going forward. The, there's going to be so much money spinning off of the marijuana business that they're going to form their own political action committee and they're going to yeah. root all those taxes you just described out of existence as soon as humanly possible and become their own best self-defense unit. Oh, yeah. The industry is, is flexing its muscles. But pro- to get to your point about hypocrisy, who wrote Prop N? Republican City Councilman Mark Kersey. Is My the one goodness. That so, hey, Mark, go fuck yourself. There you go. <laughs> fuck your agenda. Uh, so, so vote no. Measure N stands for no. No. Right? Easy. Measure N. Easy. No more tax no. on marijuana. There's already going to be a, a buttload of taxes on it. All right. We'll get rid of them. Don't worry. Let's get ready to rumble. Measure C. Measure C. What is Measure C? Downtown Stadium Initiative. No. Read it. I'm done. Thank uh, you. Good night. <laughs> <laughs> he drops the mic. Don't drop the mic. I bought that mic. It's an expensive mic. That's why we sound so good. Should the measure be adopted to increase San Diego's hotel occupancy tax by 6% to build a city-owned downtown professional football stadium and convention center projects and fund tourism marketing, affect the project financing, design, construction, use, management, and maintenance, including a $650 million contribution and 30-year commitment by professional football entity and tourism marketing district assessments adopt a development ordinance and related land use sign and zoning laws question mark joe what do you vote uh, of course i'm going to build a stadium of course we're going to do it i want to remind what? our listener of um, our listener, our one listener. Yeah. <laughs> Anyone remember Poway Measure C? Anyone oh, was that the school yeah. bond one? Oh, were they? What was the, What was the amount? Over a billion dollars that they have to pay back, right. right? Which Which is more, the school bond in Poway or our component for the stadium? And Matt Taibbi wrote about the the Poway school bond, right? It was ridiculous, and there's like only four other bond measures more crooked than the Bow- the Poway School measure, right? We're getting off cheap. <laughs> We're getting off cheap. Okay, that's a every- reason to support. <laughs> it, it's, it's a reason to support. I mean, 
every once in a while, a city should really want something, something frivolous, something that doesn't make a lot of sense, but something that, you know, you can make some sense towards it, but you don't have to make all the sense in the world to get it. And there's two things that I think fall into that category in San Diego currently, and that's the $2.1 billion that I really think we should be spending on the extension of the trolley and this thing. And I, I don't think that there's any... I'm down for the trolley. There's, I don't think that there's any way you have a, a franchise that operates in a marketing device at the national level that you just spin off and let go and then decide, hey, I'd like it if our city was more akin to Fresno than akin to Los Angeles, San Francisco, Come Phoenix, Washington, New York, Baltimore, Cleveland, Cincinnati... You We're know, San Diego. None of those, none of those fucking towns can hold our dig. Yeah, <laughs> I wish with that the, was with true. or without the Chargers. Well, okay, okay, with or without the Chargers. Uh, Joe, Joe gave his piece. I'm sure there's more he wants to add. Brent, I am totally and unequivocally opposed to Prop C, Measure C. Um, but my my reasons are different than the average San Diegan reason because this this is a bad deal for all of San Diego, but specifically for my community, this is a horrendous deal. Like I mentioned earlier, I live in Barrio Logan. This stadium is going to be built one block from our our Barrio limits. It's going to be five blocks from my apartment, and the impact on the property values values in my community are going to be horrible because Barrio Logan specifically is a community of renters. Probably 80% of the small businesses and residents that live and conduct business in my community rent their space. And right now, we're already going through a gentrification process. You put a stadium there within 5, 10 years, it's going to accelerate that process. And the vast majority of the working class people in my community and businesses will be pushed out. So that is why I am completely opposed to it. But there are other reasons that so you the have the, you have the personal public, you have the personal uh, personal side of it. Definitely. Now touch on what Joe uh, what Joe Joe's side of it. So Joe's side of it that we don't want to be a backwater. Yeah, is it, it, having an NFL franchise adds franchise level quality to the city. It's a football team. Right. I think communities are more important than than handing over a palace to somebody who's already rich. And we have so many different needs within this city that, to me, it just doesn't make fiscal sense. Regardless, regardless of my neighborhood, regardless of the people in my community that will be pushed out, it just doesn't make financial sense for the city to pour in $650 million that could be used for other, other uses. I mean, the um, stadium in Los Angeles is going into Inglewood. Right, Inglewood is not a uh, uh, five-star, five-diamond neighborhood. The, the stadium in Baltimore went it replaced the old Memorial Stadium, and it went into a community that had numerous problems. Uh, the stadium in Philadelphia went into a, a part of town the, that had definite, definite hardships and challenges all over the place, and each one of those situations. All it did was bring money. And we're saying gentrification like it's a bad thing. It displaces people. I mean, there are are people that have lived generations in these communities. And just because it helps future residents, just because it helps businesses, it doesn't help the community. I mean, what's going to take place in my neighborhood is going to destroy the cultural so, fabric. You're not talking structural evictions. You're, you're talking about culture in San Diego. You're not talking about structural evictions. You're talking about economic evictions. Yeah, that their gentrification, which is a, a Adam Smith 
you know, invisible hand agreed is just going to sweep across uh, Barrio Logan and it is turn it going into to. It a giant Starbucks. It is, yeah. You put a Charger Stadium a block away, and not just a stadium because it's not just a stadium that's going to build. It's going to be an entire entertainment district with condos and sports bars and breweries and all these things, and that's going to leach into my neighborhood. So, and it's not just displacement. I'm worried about. There's the homeless issues that are taking place right now in these village. Put a stadium there. The first few years is being built. All that's going to be pushed into Sherman Heights, Logan Heights, and Barrio Logan. Is that what happened to the, the Petco Park, the Coliseum? I'm not familiar with. What it didn't. The, the neighborhoods around it stayed just the way they were. In fact, the neighborhoods became stronger than the Coliseum, and the Coliseum needed a subway to escort people the right way, so they basically took the entire um, uh, foot traffic pattern and they moved it towards downtown because they just weren't going to ever win because the neighborhoods around it were so entrenched. Was, uh, we're not changing. We're staying this way. You can build whatever you want here. That's it. And they're trying it again with a soccer stadium over there, but they're not displacing East LA anytime soon. I well, do dude, Boyle agree Heights with you. is being displaced. There's a huge gentrification issue in Boyle I, Heights right now. I do agree with you though that uh, Chavez Ravine yep. is a horrible story, but it's a horrible story from 94 years ago. I don't think that that's actually possible anymore. It took an awful lot of uh, subversion of laws. You don't know the history of Barrio Logan, do you? You don't know the history of the freeway going through and displacing thousands of homes. You don't know the history of the bridge going in and displacing hundreds more. The history of the shipyards coming in after the tuna fleet left. The history of the 10th Avenue terminal and the the amount of semis that are coming through. So this is just one more historic slight by the powers that be in San Diego upon the community of Barrio Logan. The community of Barrio Logan, the residents of Barrio Logan, the people that I know are tired of us being... uh, treated as second-class citizens in their own community. And this stadium is just one more affront to that. Well, you know, the weather's really nice, and activism is really difficult. And do you really think that you're going to mount an anti-chargers campaign and have that best best exemplify what you need to make Barrio Logan your center of your universe prevail against all those other odds, the Coronado Bridge, the 10th Street Terminal, all those things. I, I've been we to fight all them all. Right. Yeah. Y- you fight them all. How's that working out? We're still there. Right. Where Chicano Park is, is, is on the, the fast track to becoming a national landmark. It's already a historic site. Barrio Logan is on the rise. A lot of the stuff that's happening currently right now is from people within the community, making the community better. Because we, we had this conversation two episodes ago, and we were wondering what was going to be the next North Park. Oh, and, it's coming. And it's the coming. general consensus in the world is that Barrio Logan is going to look like Garnett Avenue in a about four years it, it won't happen that fast um but it will happen so and you put a charger stadium in there it will accelerate it even more and okay i, I get it we got roscoe's coming in right roscoe's is coming in thorn brewing is coming in right and it's changing the neighborhood but they're coming in at a slower pace. You put a stadium right next door, and it's going to be so fast. Properties will be changing so fast. And right now, the median cost of a home in Barrio Logan is $450,000. Who would have thought that in Barrio Logan, where the housing stock is so old, and if you buy a house, you got to put in another hundred grand just to fix it up, that the median cost there would be that much? It's ridiculous. And that, and that also shows that San Diego in general is expensive to live in. So this conversation isn't about the Chargers anymore. 
<laughs> is it? Well, I can talk about the Chargers. It's about, well, it's you about how we it impacts my community, but we can talk about other aspects. Let me talk about the Chargers real quick. Me being a Charger fan and a long-time season ticket holder. Yep. Fuck the Spanos family. Fuck the Chargers. I don't give a shit. They are shitbag team run by a bunch of shitbags. And now the city wants to buy them a, a billion-dollar stadium. I'm voting no, um, but I'm also a bitter ex-girlfriend. Right. Yes. I, I completely get I'm it. a Charger fan, too. Grew up, same household. I got my uh, Philip Rivers jersey in my closet. I got my Charlie Joyner jersey there. Uh, I've been playing fantasy football for 25 friggin' years. And so I, I'm, I've been invested a lot of my life into the Chargers and football. But I care more about my community than giving them money. I absolutely love the Chargers. Um, I definitely am never going to switch off a yes. I definitely think we're going to have a really hard time getting to a two-thirds vote. I definitely think that we have an apples and oranges argument going here. And I would love to have that Chavez, Ravine, Barrio, Logan argument as it pertains to the Chargers. And I basically am coming from a standpoint of Chargers at large regardless of what neighborhood, whether it was Mission Valley or downtown, regardless of what that was, uh, which way they were going to take their plan. They came up with a plan. The plan was to keep the team in town. I ride my bike up and down uh, the boardwalk at Mission Beach. I watched 40,000 people come in to see games like the Packers game. I went to the Packers game here. I went to the Packers game in Green Bay the last two. And uh, were there, there more Packers maybe, fans here? There was 5,000 people in San, from San Diego there. There was 40,000 here from Green Bay. <laughs> yeah. Right? I, you know, I don't ever claim to think that this is going to pencil out for a dollar-for-dollar dollar economic windfall for the city by having it. But I think that there's enough of an economic windfall. And as an economist, I definitely believe in the multiplier effect. that A dollar coming into our community gets spent nine times. And so you want to bring money that didn't originate here into this market, especially in this desolate corner of the country. You want to have that kind of visitation going on because it will bring people back for non-chargers related reasons. It will do a whole bunch of other things for the city. And we will be a version of Fresno by the sea without it. I definitely think without it, I definitely think... um, uh, we'll have a much harder time being a national level city. I completely am compassionate with the Barrio Logan argument. I'm not here to fight the Barrio Logan thing, but just in terms of why they're trying to keep the, the team here, I think it makes just way too much sense to add to the overall franchise value of the city to just disregard it. Now, I just want to say real quick here that uh, the uh, Democrats do not endorse this. They don't vote yes. They don't vote no on it. They do not endorse it at all. And the Republicans. Yeah, that was a chicken shit move on their part. And I let them know. And the Republicans vote no on Measure C. And there we have it. Yeah, the Republicans vote no because of the tax reasons. Right. (laughs) Uh, There's a crazy conspiracy theory, and I'm going to leave you guys with this. Um, Last year was atrocious. We played under a black flag of we're going to leave town. Mm-hmm. And, for, and it wasn't because of Inglewood and it wasn't because of the Rams. It was because of Carson. Yeah. Right? So we were being told the entire last year. We're all in was the, the march. Right, that the Raiders and the Chargers were going to move to Carson. And the spot that they were talking, I, I lived in L.A. for a while. So the spot, there's an Ikea there. Uh, if you were to put a... Um, a stadium right there and you were to go to the top of a stadium and you look at the skyline around you you'd see three oil refineries 
right? That's what you'd be trading for where we are now in America's finest city. Uh, your uh, hotel base wouldn't be uh, Hotel Circle. It would be Century Boulevard next to the airport with about an inch and a half of soot on top of your car by the time you woke up the next day from all the airplane traffic. They were basically going to put you in the worst leftover from the oil boom slum in <laughs> southern Los Angeles County. And that was going to be on top of a landfill. And that was supposed to be a better choice for the NFL. The NFL woke up about halfway through this, you know, fever dream, and they're like, oh my goodness, we're, we're trading away a domestic version of Hawaii as a destination for all these people who have winter, Cleveland, mm-hmm. New England, mm-hmm. Green Bay, Baltimore. These people have dead, cold winter. They're looking for a place like San Diego to get away from, and they're going to go instead to Carson and look at refineries. That was last year. That yeah, was a, an absolute bullshit thing, and it wasn't that much of a surprise when it, it folded like a house of cards towards the end of it. So then this year, we've got this three-quarters initiative, and we're being told that um, if we don't get the initiative passed, they're going to move to the um, forum. Uh, not the forum, but whatever Inglewood. the stadium is going to be uh, right in Englewood. The Rams. Uh, where the Hollywood Park used to be with the Rams, right? And my conspiracy theory starts like this. I believe that the Chargers are throwing their season in order to affect the ballot measure, in order to be able to easily move to Los Angeles, where they will all be like Todd Gurley and Jay Moore in that commercial, where he's now, instead of being in ugly St. Louis in Los Angeles, and now he's a movie star too. And I think that Melvin Gordon... And all those fumbles, Travis Benjamin and all those fumbles, all of those things will be related to the college basketball point shaving scams of the 80s and 90s. Wow. Right? I'm completely convinced of it. I will take two pieces of statistical merit and I'll put them in front of you and I'll let you guys be the judge. There was a scam. It was a Ponzi scam. It was Bernie Madoff, right? And there was a guy, and his name was Harry Macopoulos. And he used to go to the SEC, and he used to say, hey, uh, this guy Bernie Madoff, his uh, hedge fund doesn't pass statistical muster that there is a 30 million to one chance that what he's saying in his prospectus is real. And he had to go four times over eight years before the SEC ever investigated Bernie Madoff. And then they found out it's the biggest Ponzi scheme in history. On the 10th of October of this year, the Wall Street Journal published the odds Hmm. of the Chargers capitulating in each of these games that they've lost this year at 30 million to one. We'll post it. You be the judge. But Jason Verrett, Melvin Gordon, Travis Benjamin, and an unnamed field goal kicker holder, somehow or another, they've got stars in their eyes. They think they're going to move to Beverly Hills next year. They think they're going to be movie stars. And whether or not the owners are in it or whether or not anyone else is in on the conspiracy, somewhere in there, they're throwing their season to affect the ballot measure, probably to save Barrio Logan and probably to move (laughs) the Chargers Chargers. neatly to Los Angeles. And I am absolutely putting that in my vote. If you want to stop the conspiracy theory, keep your Chargers, be sure you vote yes, get two-thirds in there to vote yes, and make them stay and make them 
part of your now owned franchise, just like the Green Bay Packers municipally owned. We'll own them if we vote yes. We'll own the stadium, not the Chargers. We'll own them. (laughs) They'll have one less option. Hey, you can't leave this year. Call your agent. I'd like to say real quick uh, for um, all um, two of you listening to this podcast, whether or not you um, are up to date on these measures, these props, um, make it to the polls. Make sure you vote. Um, There's going to be long lines. Exercise your right as a citizen of the United States of America. Exercise your right as a resident here of San Diego. Get out there and vote. And remember, if you don't know what it's about, you don't have to vote for it. Just go through what's important to you and check yes or no. Thank you all very much. Get out there and vote. It's FYA Let's Talk. We'll see you again next time. All right. Thank you.